0: Welcome to the Gentleman Podcast, I'm Brian McKinney, I'm sitting to the left of Broadway Glenn Stansbury. <laughs> what? <laughs> now this is interesting, Broadway. Broadway Glenn Stansbury. I like that. Where That's it, mean... it's got a good thing. I, I, you know, I just, uh, coming up with, with the intro, run, but... run a little low on, on, uh... I saw a, uh, I saw a documentary about Joe Namath the other night. Oh, yeah. Broadway Joe. Broadway Joe. And I just, you know, I I saw Joe Namath and I thought, you know, you know who this guy, I I can't put my finger on it. Who does this guy, Joe Namath, remind me of? Who is it? Yep. I don't know. I see it. And then I just realized that it was like, oh, it's just he's just like Glenn, you know, with the penthouse apartment in New York City and, you know, the flamboyant personality and all that stuff. (laughs) I do own that sheepskin coat. Yeah. yeah sheepskin I don't,
1: I don't know yeah
0: right yeah uh, i don't and know those boots oh man you know I, I don't know so anyway uh i thought it was about time that you 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 got the 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 nickname you deserve is is joe nameth the one that in the huddle of like some
1: important game maybe a super bowl like towards the end like two minutes left in the game he's got to drive down the field and he's like hey all right guys hey oh hey you see that girl in the stands over there? <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. Anyway, here we go. 9, 2, three on, you know, on 3. Yeah. Right. Uh,
0: I don't know, but probably. That sounds like something he'd do. Yeah.
1: W- yeah. I feel like it was Joe Namath. But yeah, I, I could be wrong. That seems like... that seems like There have been some
0: they, uh, scurrilous characters. They didn't mention that in the documentary. <laughs> but it was only an hour and 20 minutes long, so I don't think they probably had time for everything. Only the essentials. Oh, you know, strictly the essentials. And speaking of the essentials, Glenn, we are co-founders of an essential site called Mm. uh, Gentleman.com. Gentleman.com is a lot like Joe Namath in that uh, there are sports (laughs) (laughs) on the site sometimes. (laughs) Um, So pretty close. (laughs) Very similar. Um, But outside of that, there are also interesting uh, things to check out. Lots of interesting... Fringe news stories. like You, you find out these in- interesting things about the world, which we're going to talk about momentarily. You also find out some DIY stuff, some fun stuff to go check out, some things yeah. that will make you laugh, some things that will make you learn some stuff. It's an exciting little site. You, you look deep inside yourself. You will. It's, it's really a mirror. You, you get out of it what you give <laughs> to gentlemen. Oh, yeah.
1: It's really... Um, Ask not what gentlemen can do for you. Ask what you can give to gentlemen. That's a really good way to put it, yeah,
0: especially with that voice. I don't know what came over me. I don't know, but that that, that works really well. Yeah, you clear your throat a little bit. Um, Anyway, Glenn, uh, so go check Gentleman.com out if you could and uh, click some stuff. Mm -hmm. And then once you click some stuff, uh, head on over to podcast.gentleman.com where you can follow along with the links from this episode. You can also... Uh, listen to 125 previous episodes of the Gentleman Podcast, which we recommend and require you do. Actually, if you show up to podcast at dot com, don't do it. We have a complicated algorithm that will check and see if you've listened to all 125 episodes. Retina scan. And if you haven't, then we will lock your browser until you listen to all 125 <laughs> episodes. It's kind of like ransomware I mean, right. about this, <laughs> um, except all you have to do is just listen to all the podcast stuff. We just require, yeah, 130 hours of your time. Just, you know, a couple weeks right. uh, nonstop of your listening desk. That's all it takes. Um, so, yeah, go to podcast.gentleman.com. We're, no, we're not going to hijack your browser. We're just joking. Um,
1: yeah,
0: we? we're just joking. Um, anyway, Glenn, after you do that and you're angry because you had to listen to 25 <laughs> episodes of your podcast, uh, you can get in touch with us. Guess what? That's, that's the consolation prize. You can get in touch with us. Uh, you can do so by sending a letter to the Gentleman Mailbag at P.O. Box 442305, Lawrence Kansas 66044, where we will get your letter. We will take it. We will ponder it. We will review it. We will think about it. We will talk about it. We will talk about it on the Gentleman Podcast, mm-hmm. and then we will slap it up in a frame on the Hall slash Wall of Fame, which we lovingly call the <sighs> Hall of Fame. And uh, then we'll send you something back in return, uh, A little, a little forget-me-not back in return and uh, so do that so step one go to gentleman.com step two listen to 125 previous episodes of the gentleman podcast step three send us a letter and if you can't do any of that stuff you can send us an email or visit us uh, at Facebook to get in touch with us Twitter hot or not.com, dot com YouTube uh, Swipe Right um, (laughs) Farmers Only Farmers Only and Goldenoldies. dot com. <laughs> so,
1: Brian, by this point in the podcast, the good listener might be thinking, "Why would I go to all this trouble?" You know, it sounds like they're requiring a lot of me to listen to this podcast. But think about that for a second. Why wouldn't we? What's right? Why wouldn't we ask that much? Like the bar is high. All these other podcasts, they just give and give and give and give. Right. They ask nothing in return. Doesn't that make you a little suspicious? Well,
0: look, we we're we're starting a trend. This mm-hmm. is. This is a new way to think about podcasts. This is, we are requiring all mm. of our users, everybody that listens to the podcast to do this stuff. Mm. It's a mandate that we are setting forth. And you just watch. Yes. Pretty soon all podcasts are going to be doing this. You know. You're going to, if you want to listen to this, mm-hmm. you have to send us a letter. On our system, you got to do it. <laughs> So anyway, Glenn, let's uh, look. I don't want to give too much of the secret sauce no, right. away. So let's uh, move on to the secret sauce, which is the uh, drink of the week. The drink week. Of the, right. Speaking of sauce, so my turn this week. I picked up uh, something
1: that I've not had before, but apparently, Brian, you've had it in a social setting, which is mm. you know, basically has nothing to do. Will have no bearing on our rating. No, I don't even remember. Okay. I mean, this was at least two hours ago. Oh, okay. So yeah, I, I, I forget. <laughs> How it tasted, I don't know. And this is the Samuel Adams Winter Lager. And this jumped out at me because it said a it's a wheat bock with warming spices.
2: Mm.
1: Well how do you okay. what are warming spices? Will they make me warmer? Will they make my tongue warmer? What is the goal here? I don't make know. Make the beer warmer. Make the Yeah, well it just it's like you know those uh, hand warmers that you like crack in half and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden they're too hot to hold. Is that what we have on our hands here? Maybe they should say warming chemicals in that case. Yikes. Wow. Something that in, you know. know interacts with the hops and... Right. Well, anyway, uh, The Winter Lager uh, by Sam Adams. It'll, it'll be interesting. Um, I don't typically like beers that are spicy. but Yeah, me neither. But Sam Adams, I feel, does a pretty good job most of the time for having... Yeah, pretty tastefully done beers. I have had one of their campfire beers, which is absolutely disgusting. I've never even heard. Of oh, movie. I couldn't. I, I, it literally tastes like smoke. It's like smoke and I can't. Ah, what's it called? I think it's called the campfire. Oh god, it's like it's like part of a uh, big fall pack, like their 12 pack or something. I was not a fan of that. Uh, but you know what, Brian? Nothing winter, nothing game. That's right. Good on them for pushing the envelope. You gotta try it sometimes. So, and pale. Yes, so, right And so anyway, this is uh, a lager Brewed with orange peel, cinnamon, and ginger Which okay. actually sounds pretty tasty That's a warming spice right there Yeah, ginger will get you going Okay Warm and festive It was, uh, a couple of key facts here It was eight ninety nine. Okay. Um, Okay I
0: should look up 5.6 uh, oh. alcohol by volume Yep, and it's on a And 22 IBUs Good work. So, uh, so really, pretty good stats there. I'm feeling pretty good about this. That that seems pretty doable as far as it works. we. We uh, Glenn and I are not big on the IBUs. We're big on the alcohol by volume. That's right. Yes. <laughs> it's ABV. ABV. Yeah, you know me. Uh. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, Glenn. Well, all right. Let's crack these open and uh, have a taste of a
1: festive winter. Winter or winter a festive winter beer. Thank you, Brian. Yeah. I. I'm always intrigued by the lighter beers in the winter. What is going on here? Okay, thanks. Mhm. Mm. Cheers,
0: cheers, buddy. Mmm. That's pretty good. It's pretty good. Yeah, it's a good one. All right. Yeah, this is good. I was a little worried. You know, Samuel Adams gets a bad rap. They do, but I like Boston Lager. I like this winter lager. Mm-hmm. I like their Oktoberfest. Yes. It's pretty good. It's good. Um, I don't know if I've had I've, I'm sure I have had other stuff. I remember having a cherry wheat in my Boy. formative years. Yeah. That was really, really pretty bad. Yeah. yeah it was terrible. That was, <laughs> was my first. <laughs> was that like, was my first year. Oh. It was it ruined me for oh, years. Oh my god, This is really good. Yeah, this is this is pretty good. Okay, Glenn, well, so if you uh mm. So if you had to to give this a a Glenn Stansberry rating, hypothetically, what would you uh, what you put on this? A
1: totally subjective rating, yeah, know what like you're saying. A completely yeah, completely
0: arbitrary rating. Yeah.
1: Well, let's see here. The price is nice. It's just a little bit past our 8.50. 8.50 is medium, mm-hmm. so we will we'll say just a little bit more expensive, but not not bad at all. Fifty cents, I can handle that. Yep. Uh, I like this beer because uh, you could just go one right after the other. Yep. It is a smooth drinking, nice and easy. Winter Lager. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna give it an.
0: Let me think here. I'm gonna give it an 8.3. 8.3. That's pretty pretty good. I was gonna go 8.5 actually. Wow. Yeah. I like this one quite a bit. You know, I think Mm -hmm. like I said, if you peeled the label off this and this was some other you know craft brewery that we'd never heard of and I was drinking this, I would say you know I'd be pretty astounded. You know, and Samuel Adams, we know who that is, but they do. This is pretty good work right here. It's like you said, they get a bad
1: rap. And they shouldn't, because they make great beer. They do. Um, I'm getting I'm getting craft brewery fatigue, so. Yeah, well, and they haven't sold to a giant conglomerate, have they? They're still independent. I don't believe so. I think they're still. I should fact check that. Don't want any fake news getting spread here, but. Well. Wouldn't be the first time, I guess.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the whole podcast is fake news, essentially. <laughs> uh... Unintentional fake news. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised Donald Trump hasn't tweeted right. about us yet. Watch the gentleman <laughs> podcast. Fake news. Investigate! <laughs> okay, Glenn. Uh, well, speaking of investigations, mm. uh, I am going to type some facts into the uh, infallible real news uh, mustache twist scale computer. Mm-hmm. And this will use its proprietary algorithm and machine learning AI uh, to deduce an empirical factual mm-hmm infallible score for the winter lager from samuel adams so we said that the price was 8.99 Mm -hmm. yes yes okay we agree we agree about that okay uh then we said that the alcohol by volume was 5.6 percent and the uh ib user 22 and that this is a lager style brew with orange peel cinnamon and ginger Mm. is that correct that's correct right okay uh, well, I've piped that in uh, to the console, and uh, <laughs> now I can hear the, the whirl of the, the uh, MPS computer mm-hmm. spinning up and printing off stuff. So in a few seconds here, we're going to have uh, an empirical rating for the winter lager from Sandy Diego. That is a fine beer. It is a fine beer. I'm almost done with it. Wow, that was quick. Okay. Not really. Hmm. I'm going to yeah. go uh, Let me just get this print off here. From the MTS computer. Okay, I got. Uh, let me. All right, step right. Oh, okay, I got the uh, uh, print off uh, right here in front of me uh, for the winter logger from Samuel Adams. Um, it's talking about Boston and how Samuel Adams was a maltster. Tea and. Um, tea in the harbor. Let's see here. Okay, it's always hard to get to the last page of the report. Um, okay, um, Glenn. So the. MTS Computer says wisely, justly, mm. empirically, says that the winner logger is an eight point four. Oh that's a good scale. It's a CL. solid rating. It's a good scale. It's a good score. It's a real good score. It's it's up there with some of the higher ones we've done, uh, and I think it's well-deserved. So, uh, anyway, Glenn, what, what are our friends over at uh, beersnob.com do yeah, yeah, you say it, about it? we're using the term friends loosely here, Brian. Well, and by friends we mean people who want to I don't like to punch. talk bad about people. Right, 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 right. We want to keep things positive
1: over at yeah.
0: beersnob.com.
1: Well, I'm using air quotes here. Our friends right. at beersnob.com, they uh, they give the, the Sam Adams Winter Lager a 3.59 out of 5. Which is below it makes it hard for us. Which is below an, right. So it's a seven point seven point one eight. Yes, right. Which is a, a heinous crime. Mm. But let me just—I'm just browsing at these reviews here. Oh, there, oh, By the way, there are almost six thousand ratings. Oh, okay, and two thousand reviews. And the thing—the thing is, this totally sums up the beersnob.com and their snobbish ways of rating beer. So it's talking about, you know, it's a good use of caramel malt, not a tremendous amount of lager yeast or anything like that, but is categorized as a bach, mild on flavor, but perfect in an anonymous, forgettable way. <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> perfect in an anonymous, forgettable way. Is that perfect? If you can just forget about something? I, I, I just...
0: That's <sighs> uh, that's a typical beer snob rating. That's, t- that's taking yourself too seriously. And that's not something that we do on the General no. Podcast. Um, well... It's my Brian. Yeah, Um, let's move on in an anonymous and forgettable (laughs) way. Well,
1: you know, it's not anonymous and forgettable. Is a an excellent gentleman member. Do tattoo. That's true. And I think he's he's very memorable. He's on a mission, Brian. And some might say that he's on a mission from God. That's right. Because this week he has made one, not one, but two. Hacks that have made the gentleman podcast this week.
0: Impressive. F- Impressive.
1: Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Fantastic job this week. Yep. Um, and the first one, speaking of uh, a mission here,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, his first hack is titled Budweiser is Bringing Beer to Mars. I uh, see. That is, a, that is a mission that we can get behind. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if at some point I have to live on Mars, Brian, I want to know that there's going to be beer there. Uh there, there's gonna be a checklist of things I will that will have to happen before I can make the move. I right? can yep. take the plunge. Right. And I gotta have beer. Right? I, I feel like some sanitation, plumbing, you know, things like that.
0: Look, I can you know I can step behind a bush on Mars. Right. You know what I mean? Right, right, right. But right. I gotta have some beer. Like that that's You gotta that's have something fun, yeah. Gotta have something plumbing the, optional. Yeah. Gotta have stuff to drink. I mean, water, beer. I got a shovel. Yeah, you know exactly. No problem. Right, not a problem. What I don't
1: have is is a delicious winter lager. Mm -hmm. But apparently, uh, Budweiser uh, is—they're upholding their commitment to being the first beer on the moon. Uh, Excuse me, on Mars. Yes, keep saying on the moon. (laughs) Apparently, we've already made it to the moon. Yeah, Uh, who knew? Um, And. Uh, according, and this month, according to a web, uh, the website Huffington Post, which is a small little news organization, uh-huh. a very niche, I uh-huh. believe, um, they're uh, going to do an experiment where they take uh, a bushel, I, can't, I, I don't know how much... I think it was like a barley seeds thing. Yeah, they're going to take a bunch of barley up in space and have it go to the International Space
0: Station. SpaceX is launching it up. S- yeah, SpaceX, <laughs> which is interesting, because
1: yeah. you know, future tech, mm-hmm. uh, we'll talk about, but... Uh, SpaceX is launching up this cargo and it will dock with the International Space Station where this barley will um, hang out there for a month and then they're going to take it back down and run some tests on it. Right. So th- this is the early, early, early planning stages right. of just trying to figure out what the has foundation. to
0: happen. Like, what do we have to do to get scientifically? This thing to yeah, right. What has to happen to be able to brew beer? This is good though. This is good because you know we we have to. I, I'm glad they're thinking about this. Cause we have to take these steps. Mm. Somebody's got to take these steps to make sure that we can get beer. to Can you look? look, look let's take a step back, Glenn. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let's say you and I are the first two people to make it over to Mars. Mm-hmm. What if we get over there and we're thinking, oh, yeah, it's fine. We got all this beer. It's all good, you know? And then yeah. we get over there and we find out space has ruined the beer. It's become space, you know, space gum. Urine. Yeah, space. <laughs> it's, it's uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's been ruined by the trip. We're on Mars. We don't have any way of making beer. We, we're totally out of luck, and it's going to be light years before we can even get any more beer. This this could this could be this, this could cause, I mean, have you ever seen Alien? Yeah, like I mean, yeah. this could cause yeah. some it's a problem, <laughs> you know, some, some serious issues. We made a huge mistake. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So I'm glad um, I'm glad I'm glad they're thinking about this. This is this is an important work. It is
1: honestly, this is really interesting, and this is actually being <laughs> actually being brought up on SpaceX. It's not cheap. To send something up into space.
0: (laughs) This is like like an (laughs)
1: actual... Like, they haven't even figured out about probably medicine on Mars. Right, right. You know, but they They haven't figured out antibiotics. Barley. On Mars.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. Will penicillin work? Yeah. In another planet. Eh, Let's do the beer thing instead, I think. (laughs) Um... (laughs) Yeah, it, no, it's it's interesting. I think it's cool. It's funny because it's it's kind of a, a uh it seems like a PR thing almost a little bit, but it's also somewhat legitimate because they've got a whole plan worked out. They worked with some uh some space engineering companies to figure out how this was going to go and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, I don't know.
1: They're par- yeah, they're partnering with the okay. Yeah, they're partnering with a bunch of legitimate people here. Mm-hmm. Uh experts in the field including uh K-Sys- C-A-S-I-S, who manages the International Space Station. Companies that I've never even heard of that do this stuff. <laughs> and Space Tango, a payload development company that operates oh, space a two Tango, that's a good commercial case. research yeah. facilities in
0: the National Earth. I just so hope they find a way to uh, avoid space
1: skunk. <laughs> yeah. Man, that was some of my favorite commercials growing up. The Skunky Beer. Oh, yeah. Skunky Beer Face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bitter Beer Face. Bitter Beer Face, <laughs> well, yeah. Keystone Light. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, Which we've not rated on the podcast before. Oof. No, we haven't. Uh, there's a reason for that. Well, anyway, Glenn, the uh, Budweiser should, be, should have a factory on Mars uh, prior to anyone uh, mm-hmm. making a civilization there, which makes sense to me. Some floating Clydesdales? Yeah, yeah. I, I think that, ma- that all makes sense. We're all, we're all on the same page here. This is a good thing. This is, this is great for the world. It's one uh, small step for man, uh, one giant leap for Budweiser, <laughs> Clydesdales. Uh, so, anyway, moving on, Glenn, this is a, the next post we're going to talk about. Is something that I posted at visualment.com. This is important facts that everybody needs to know mm. about Queen's News of the World album. Look, there are some things that people don't know about this album. Uh, and I really like how Queen like the first time I heard about Queen was when Wayne's World came out and <laughs> Bohemian Rhapsody came out. Really? I think about Queen. And then instantly they're everybody's darlings. Uh seems like since then people have really embraced this band. <laughs> uh, for a lot of different things, and, yeah. And News of the World is actually one of their most popular albums. It came out a couple years off, out of um, uh, after A Night of the Opera came out, so they were kind of struggling to try to, you know, have that next big hit. Uh, yeah. And they and they knocked one out of the park. And this is a few facts about it that a lot of people didn't know. I'm not going to go through all ten of these because uh, there's ten of them. And if you want to check them out, you can go to podcast.gentleman.com where I'll have a link to the story. But there were a couple that I thought were really interesting. And first of the, the first of, first one that they they talk about here mm-hmm. is a little interaction between Queen and the Sex Pistols mm-hmm. because apparently the Sex Pistols were finishing up, never mind the Bullocks. Uh, at the same time, Queen was recording this album, and these bands were obviously polar opposite. Brian May uh, bumped into the, the the guitar player from the Sex Pistols, and he said that they had a nice time and they got along just fine. But according to a Queen biographer, uh, Johnny not johnny rotten sid vicious Vicious and sid vicious and freddie mercury had a little bit of a snafu they had a little bit of a uh, i would say uh, uh, let's just say that sid vicious wasn't a big fan of freddie mercury and uh so freddie mercury uh according to this biographer at one point sid vicious burst into the control room while they were working on their album And Sid Vicious made a couple of disparaging remarks about the ballet and Freddie Mercury. And Freddie Mercury made a couple of remarks about Sid Vicious's safety pins on his uh, carefully arranged leather jacket. And uh, at that point, Sid Vicious attempted to step up to Freddie Mercury to intimidate him. And Freddie Mercury pushed him back and said, what are you going to do about it? Sid Vicious quickly backed down. Not so vicious, after all. Sid Vicious... For that kind of a name Right uh, Was a tiny little man And I I have no idea I have no doubt That Freddie Mercury Scared the crap out of him Freddie Mercury is pretty He's kind of a kind of a big dude Like Yeah I mean You know You could say what you want about that But like He he was a You know I could see him Laying the law down on Sid Vicious And rightfully so And then The other one The other interesting one That I I I thought was kind of cool Was they talked about we, We will rock you And we are the champions A couple of Staples of Every sporting event that you've ever been to in your entire life. Yes. Including back to middle school when you are riding on buses, going to right. track meets. Right. Um, right. So, they, so apparently Queen realized, they, they, they had an experience where they went to, they did a concert, and the, the, the crowd was so into it and singing along so much they couldn't even like play, so they they had to step back and just say like let's let the crowd just sing to us, yeah, and then that inspired them to think like well let's let's write a song that that uh that is all focused on, yeah audience participation, and so they ended up writing, "We will Rock you and we are the champions uh with that in mind that 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 an audience could do that uh Freddie Mercury said he was thinking about football, you know as we know in America soccer. American football? No. Okay. He was thinking about football when he wrote it, and although it was about kind of like a third-person kind of thing, he said that the idea of We Are the Champions was seen to everybody in the band as being too arrogant, which is awesome because that's like Queen, you know, all these other rock bands are super arrogant, you know what I mean? But Queen's so like chill about stuff that yeah. they're like oh we can't say we're the champions like that's that's too arrogant we can't do that you know which is just any other band would be like oh yeah no of we're, course we are yeah we're the yeah does anybody know we're the like, champions like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so anyway I thought that was kind of interesting and endearing I mean these guys were like so worried about coming out with this oh this too it's too arrogant to come out and say we are the champions you know and so anyway they did, and thank God uh, it worked out. Um, and so, anyway, I thought those were a couple of interesting facts. Just two of the interesting facts out of the ten about that
1: album. Amazing uh, that that album was stacked. I mean, mm-hmm. it was a good album, but the, I don't know. They're incredible songwriters, yeah. and that those two songs in particular mm-hmm. are staples. Are they are they meant to play right after yeah. each
0: other? I mean, you always hear them. Yes, that one. Like, like we, they're the we same were song almost. Were, rolls into we're the champions yeah you know yeah. and so that uh that's the way it goes um on the radio they always play them together yeah you know right it's L- one of only i think one or two r- classic rock songs that are like that. i get there's a, there's another one i can't, the name escapes me not a queen song but uh that, that always it's like a led zeppelin song or something that, oh. that always it's one runs under the other but anyway um so yeah i thought that was really cool uh, I like reading stories about stuff where they 're struggling to top their not right. the opera maybe they 're going to go downhill maybe they 're they 're played out maybe you know punk rock's coming out right at this time maybe they 're you know maybe they're they they are done with their careers and all this stuff and they come out with this great album that actually surpasses a lot of the stuff that they 've done and uh, scares the hell out of Sid vicious in the process <laughs> I love so one one of the one of the uh,
1: points to bring up is the guitar solo that Brian May has oh, yeah. at the end of "That's a good, good one." As well. uh, we will rock you. That's mm. one of my favorite guitar solos. Yeah,
0: it's fantastic.
1: And he just threw it together on a whim, right? Uh, anyway, read the yeah. article. It's great. Yeah, if you like Queen, you like the article. Yep, absolutely. All right, Brian. The last tech we're going to talk about right now is one posted by none other than Do Tattoo and To Tattoo. Do tattoo too Do tell Uh, Do tattoo Uh, And this is An interesting This is an interesting tech It is There's a lot lot going on There's a lot of stuff in this There's a lot to unpack So let's start Uh, Flat Earther set to launch himself in Own Rocket Alright Apparently there is a movement of people Uh, I did not know this was a, a widespread thing I don't know how widespread this is We were talking about this before the podcast started but there's a sect of people who believe that the Earth is actually flat. No offense if you believe this. No offense. If- yeah, but you're an I'm idiot.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> you, you, you have to you have to look past a lot of science. Um, in general, you know. Yep. It's like saying there's no gravity, which apparently there are some people who believe that there aren't gravity. Right. Oh, there isn't gravity. Excuse yes. me. And 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 well, anyway. So, um, so this is a this is an NPR article uh, that a m- Limousine driver uh, Mad Mike Hughes has taken upon himself to build a steam-powered rocket out of salvaged metals, mm. and he. This isn't the first time he's done this, uh, <laughs> but he, he, he. What he wants to do it is... Might it might be the last. It is it, it, yes, and um, but what he does is he will. He strapped. He actually gets in the rocket, boosts off into space, and then parachutes down. Right, but. The 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 whole so he has he has said it he's going to do this, um, but he's going to try to raise money in the process. So he believes that the earth is flat, and he believes that this mission—he's also on a mission from God. Mm-hmm. Uh, he believes this mission will prove once and for all that the earth is flat. Let's just put all the rumors alert to rest. Yes, yeah. we send a maniac yeah. up in a rocket, we'll know for right. sure. And his name is Mad Mike Hughes, so that's not us, you know. That, that, it's yeah. self, uh, self-proclaimed. So he, he, believes, he believes the Earth is flat. What I don't understand is I don't, I don't understand how... Let's, let's just put aside the fact that he believes that. How is he going to prove that? Like, going to take what, pictures. Okay. But his rocket... How, how will his rocket get high enough to take a picture of the entire Earth?
0: <laughs> I uh maybe he I, will I don't know. know. I, I think I think he said this was uh he he uh he wanted to send himself eighteen hundred feet in the air. Yeah. And I guess he thinks that will prove eighteen hundred feet. I don't know how many that that's that's uh that's a lot of I don't know. That's 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 pretty high. So maybe yeah. if he doesn't see any uh bending mm-hmm. in the earth, then he'll know for sure that it's flat. That's like, you know, I think a better tact for him would actually be to send himself about 300 feet in the air and then take pictures and be like, see, it's flat. Told you. Because I took pictures. I was up in my treehouse. Yep. And I took mm-hmm. these pictures. You know, when I'm flying in planes uh, and I'm looking <laughs> down at the earth, it looks pretty flat from there in the planes. Yeah. I mean, and they're 30,000 feet up in the... 30,000 I guess feet. above the clouds, you can't really see. Right. But when it's clear... Right. You know... Uh, it does look flat. It does look pretty flat. But Brian, you know what? Maybe the Earth is flat.
1: Brian, you might be onto <laughs> something here. Uh, can you see the entire horizon when you're when you're up that high? No,
0: I can't. I really can't. Unless I go into the pilot's mm, booth, I couldn't see. see this that.
1: is the problem that plagued many people
0: from you know the 11th century, right? Um, yeah. He does. This guy does have a conspiracy theory that the the astronauts were actually Freemasons. Yep, yep, yep. And so, yep. um, they're biased. Cause you know Freemasons, they yeah, they yeah. try to control everything. You know, yeah, absolutely. I I, I saw uh, a couple
1: uh, Nicolas Cage, fine Nicolas Cage movies, National Treasure, mm-hmm. uh, documentaries. National, not, yeah, they're documentaries, really. Mm-hmm.
0: I think they were directed by Michael Moore. Yeah, um, right. And Bowling for National Treasure. Bowling. <laughs> oh yep. I saw that one too. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that was a great one. Yeah, uh, really well done. So I actually so national maybe I think we've talked about this before. National Treasure is actually one of my guilty pleasures. I love that movie, and I there is no reason I should. love I think I love it because it's so oh awful. God. It's just Nicolas Cage running around. I have
0: never seen National. Really, Treasure. you gotta watch it. You <laughs> oh have to do gosh. it.
1: <laughs> it's so bad. Ah. <laughs> do it, Brian. Okay. Well, anyway, the point is Mad Mike. Mad Mike is Mad- going approved?: he's strapping himself. Now, if you read the article. It details how he's done this once before, and he used he used two so um, two tattered twenty year
0: old parachutes right. to try to save his life, and, and he damn near didn't.
1: Yeah, he almost died. Um, and if it as soon as, it, there's a video embedded in this article, and yeah. as soon as the parachutes fly fly out, you know something's wrong because they look like Swiss cheese. And I know parachutes are supposed to allow some air to go through. Um, this
0: guy is a, way too cavalier about getting – I hope somebody's talking – I seriously do. I hope somebody's talking to him about uh, – when you see his parachute, I mean he's – he. one of them didn't open and the second one barely is operable based right. on the way it looks. <laughs> So I seriously hope somebody is talking to this guy because this is like, seriously, this is like suicide. He, could, he could die. It's yeah. like Evil Knievel with a rocket. Or worse, yeah, basically. Yes. Evil Knievel at without knowing Evel- how to do a stunt. Yeah, at <laughs> least Evil Knievel was only going 30 feet in the air as opposed to 1,800 feet. So I seriously hope somebody's having a discussion with this dude about it. But he, he failed to raise money just on his own with his own Kickstarter. He only right. made a few hundred bucks. And then he talked to the Flat Earth community. Mm-hmm. And he's like, look, I'm going to do this rocket thing. I'm going to help you out. And he raised $8,000 to do it. The other thing that's interesting about this guy is that he says he doesn't believe in science. He says there's no science, or there's no difference between science and science fiction. I have the direct quote here,
1: Brian. I don't believe in science, Hughes added. I know about aerodynamics and fluid dynamics and how things move through the air. (laughs) About the certain size of rocket nozzles and thrust. Mm -hmm. But that's not science. That's just formula. Yeah. There's no difference between science and science fiction. So, we have different definitions of science. I know when I went to school, that was classified as a, as a science. Science, that sounds you know, like science. Gravity, right. and, yes. right. mm-hmm. uh,
0: aerodynamics, right. pretty, pretty scientific. Yep. <laughs> yes. well, well, anyway, I hope Mad Max uh, works out uh, just fine for himself and uh, goes beyond Thunderdome. With his, <laughs> with his invention, I hope he lives. I hope the guy lives. It's scary. The guy's going on yeah, this rocket. Yeah, don't die, I, Mike. Mad Mike. Yeah, he's Mad Mike Hughes. I was joking about the Mad Max thing, but look, I I hope the guy lives. I really do. I, I feel I feel like he Oof. he might not. I don't. I
1: don't have a lot of faith that he will.
0: No. Uh, also, the, the one of the funny things was he called uh, uh, Elon Musk the the world's biggest fraud or something right. like that. Uh yeah you know the guy that's doing all the SpaceX things and hey Mad uh, Mike uh, yeah Elon Musk is gonna take some barley to space all right <laughs> yeah, exactly. what, are you doing? what are you doing you're going 18, he's gonna make miles. beer in space yeah anyway okay Glenn let's oh uh, <laughs> Mad Max lives okay um so that means it's time for the toast this week Glenn yes and I don't know if we toast this guy before I think maybe we have I don't care The point matter. is uh I wanted to toast Mr Daniel Day Lewis mm-hmm. uh because he. Has a movie coming out in December Yes. called Phantom Thread. And it is his last movie. He said he's retiring from acting as of that movie. He said he's not even going to watch the movie. He's done. He's not even going to watch it. He's he's done acting. He's over it. Not going to watch it? He's not even going to watch his own movie. Does he watch his other movies? I think. (laughs) Yeah. But I think he's just like done with it. And um, he announced this while they were filming it. No one knew why. Everybody was saying maybe he's got a health problem. No one knew. Uh, But recently he came out and he said, no, I don't have a health problem or anything like that. He said that just doing the movie made him sad and it made him feel bad, the movie. Just the characters and the whole way the whole thing was it brought him this really deep sadness. And he said that he, in the middle of feeling that, he decided that he was just going to step away from acting. Because of this deep sense of sadness that he felt during the movie. Wow. Which, you know, when you think about Daniel Day-Lewis and him walking away from acting, is there any other way that you would expect this guy to walk away from acting? On top. That seems like something he would say and do and feel and have happen to him. Uh, you know, he did movies like "There Will Be Blood." There will be blood, it's and a great movie. he didn't feel any sadness during that. <laughs> I did. I, <laughs> I was I sad it. the whole time. Yeah. But he, he is—I got there's something about this character or something that he just did not. It didn't work out, and he said that him and both both him and the director felt the same way about it. But the director is uh, gonna gonna keep doing movies. Paul Thomas Anderson. Um, oh. And the other thing that was interesting about this this, this Phantom Thread movie is about this this fashion designer guy yeah right well daniel day lewis of course learned how to sew and made an entire dress like gown for his wife to just before he did the movie to learn how to be the guy you know how to be the actual how to be how to because he's a a method actor yeah so he learned how to to design and make fashion dresses for this movie Wow. So anyway, Glenn, uh, we're not going to enjoy this guy's uh, work anymore after this, which is very sad because I, I've, I think probably I remember uh, watching In the Name of the Father, uh, which is one of you know one of the earliest ones that I remember. Daniel Day Lewis Yeah. Uh, so not Dances with Wolves. Uh, last month. Last month. Last month. Vikings. Yeah. Uh, so. My bad. I uh, so anyway. I, I it's gonna be it's gonna be sad. This guy's walking away. Maybe he won't. They said that you know he said he said for sure I'm not gonna stay idle. Right. He has hobbies. He, make, he of course dresses. he does. Yeah. <laughs> he, he he makes furniture I guess. <laughs> of, course uh, he does. of course he does. Uh, he makes furniture. He does some other stuff. He writes. Uh, you know. So I, I think we're gonna we're gonna see some more stuff from this guy. But I think he might be done acting. Seems like he's a resolute guy. When he yeah. makes a decision, that's what he's gonna do. Will he pull a Jim Carrey? And start just go off the
1: deep end, and just I don't know, I don't know, man. Jim Carrey's off the deep end. The the thing is though is that Daniel Day Lewis. I mean, he's he's notorious for only doing movies that he wants to do. So right. he'll go years between right. scripts, right? And then he'll just totally pour himself into mm-hmm. that character, method acting, mm-hmm. yeah. And then learn everything about it, and then do. I mean, with the the Lincoln movie, mm-hmm. which I haven't seen, it's just awful. I've seen it. I, I need yeah. to see it, but yeah. Um, th- they said that like. They waited on him for a year so that he could, they, I mean, an extra year or something like that, so that he could perfect his his part because he was like, ah, I'm, "I'm not ready. I need another year to." I mean, can you imagine telling that to a major studio executive? Like, I know you're gonna, I know you want to put out this movie, but I need to wait, you know, to get this
0: right. I need, to, I need another year to prepare. I think it really shows, you know, how much respect and cachet he has yeah. uh, to be able to pull that off. I mean, you know, like you said, you're you're really uh, keeping. Millions and millions and millions of dollars in wait for you to do this thing,
1: but, but you know he's gonna be he's gonna be in the conversation, if not a lock for best actor.
0: Yeah, for every movie that he does. Right. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, so anyway, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. I, you know, I'm 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 optimistic. We're gonna see some more stuff from this guy. Maybe not in acting, but maybe screenwriting, or you know, maybe he'll have a furniture line that we can all buy. Ooh, there you go, <laughs> Daniel. Daniel Day-Lewis Day 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 bed. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that was unscripted. Oh, uh, awesome! Well, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Hopefully, Glenn. Gosh, yeah, I would. I would buy one of his chairs. I would buy a chair of his. Yeah. Uh, I just there will be blood. He did such a good job in that movie. Yeah. Uh, I. It's hard to think of a, a world without him making movies in it. But yeah. I feel like you know this is also like him going out on top, right? Yeah, I choosing mean, when he's going out, right?
0: Yeah, I think he's sixty years old, he's, so he's not going to be a voiceover cartoon actor, you know, yeah, like yeah, pulling in Eddie Murphy. and Some guys just keep doing stuff. I think he, I think he knows he has other talents. He can do other stuff. Um, so yeah, that's that's pretty cool, man. I, I I think it's pretty awesome to be able to walk away and say, you know what, I'm going to go do some other stuff now. Pretty cool. Can go have a line of women's clothing. That's right. Well, anyway, a toast to uh, Mr. Daniel Day Lewis. Cheers, my friend. We shall see you down the road. Daniel DeLuca, David. we should we should contact him if he hasn't <laughs> if he's not listening right now. Right. I mean, let's let's he's, be
1: honest. He's here. probably
0: on his expansive, you know, England estate. Listening to the Gentleman Podcast as we speak. He actually probably did listen to all 125 episodes. I would expect him to. He's a Method Podcast listener. Look, I need to contact him about playing me.
2: <laughs>
0: a biopic. His last,
1: his last role. I need, you, I need you to come out of the retirement. One more
0: role. Come on, Get the man. jersey out of the rafter. <laughs> got, one more game. I really want you to sink your teeth into this. <laughs> He's living with me. <laughs> Two years trying to pick up on... <laughs> No,
1: no, 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 no. When you say welcome to the general right. podcast, is that a welcome? Not yeah. welcome. Right. Welcome. Right. All right, Glenn. Well anyway. Daniel day Lewis.
0: Come on. I come over and he's like sweating away on the computer.
2: <laughs> uh, react.
0: Uh anyway, okay, Glenn. Well, uh that means it's time for the little <clears throat> thing that we call the little hot buddy topic. topic. And uh, this week, Glenn, uh, uh, there, there is okay. So this is a fun week. I find this. This is this is a very fun week of the college football season. <laughs> this is the coaching carousel week, where where uh, right. all these teams fire their coaches, or they've right. already fired them, and then they all start trying to hire coaches. And right. All this weird clandestine stuff going on. Right. Assistant coaches who's talking and to who, right. and where's going where, and all this stuff. Well. The, possibly the weirdest week in coaching carousel history happened this week where right. uh, John Curry, the athletic director at the University of Tennessee, um, he they, they parted ways with the coach, uh, Butch Jones, midway through the season after some disappointing results. And all signs pointed to John Curry uh, naming the, the next head coach at Tennessee on Sunday night. Uh, they had their man. They signed a little, you know, agreement and all that stuff, and then news... So they actually, sorry, they did actually sign an agreement. They didn't sign a contract. They signed an agreement of terms, basically. Like kind of... Yeah, exactly. And um, so then the University of Tennessee sends a plane over to Ohio, where he's an assistant at Ohio State. And while this is happening, while they're getting the plane to get the guy to bring him to Tennessee, news leaks out. That this guy, Greg Sciano, uh, former Rutgers head coach, current uh, assistant coach at Ohio State. Um, wh- news gets out that this guy's going to be hired. The entire Tennessee fan base loses their freaking minds. <laughs> uh, they go nuts. And they start protesting. All this stuff happens. State legislatures are coming out saying, like, <laughs> don't do this. This is terrible. And ostensibly, it's, it's because he was somewhat involved Supposedly, anecdotally, in the scandal, that, the horrible scandal that happened at Penn State, right, uh, with Jerry Sandus- Sandusky, um, but uh, really, what it comes down to is the people of Tennessee, the good people of Tennessee, don't think that Greg Schiano is a good enough coach to coach their football team, right? And that's really what the that's I mean, it's all behind this guise of this the scandal that happened. They're at using Penn State the scandal. But it really comes down to the fact that they were unhappy with the hire, and right. so they wanted an excuse to not hire this guy.
1: It's a little easier to say uh, this guy was involved with a major awful scandal. Scandal versus, well, he's a a, a mediocre he's coach, a
0: six or six or seven win coach. You right, know, like right. uh, you know, that's Which,
1: so, for the record. Uh, us Ku fans would take in a hot minute uh,
0: six or seven win. Just so, saying, just yeah. saying, Greg. So anyway, uh, now uh, they're scrambling to find a head coach. They they reverse course. They're not going to hire anybody. Uh, they're not going to hire Greg Shano. right? They reverse course, and now they're scrambling to find somebody, anybody. I mean, anybody with the pulse to take over that po- program now. They, they have just imploded their entire football program.
1: Well, aren't they in the running for – are they still in the running for um, the o- Oklahoma State coach?
0: No. Gundy. Gundy said no. Mike huh? Gundy. <laughs> so – Timeline of events, right? Uh, <laughs> Greg Schiano blows up. He right. says he's going to sue Tennessee, I think. I think he's going to sue him because they have a $27 million agreement or something that they just said, we're not going to do this anymore. They just ripped it up. So Shano's going to sue the heck out of them. Uh, in the meantime, they've got to find another coach. So they they start talking to some other people. Well, the first name on the list is Mike Gundy at Oklahoma State. Mm-hmm. He says, yeah, I'm kind of interested. And No, I'm not interested. Just and kidding. So then they're like, okay, well, we're going to go with this guy at Purdue, the head coach of Purdue. Not interested. Uh, current thought is that he's. they're talking to Dave Doran, former KU guy, Oh, he- uh, at, who's at NC State. There's no way Dave Doran. All these people, there's no way these coaches are going to go to Tennessee. They are going to have to settle for the worst. The, the, uh, l- let me just tell you one thing about this. <laughs> one of the guys on the list yes. that they have talked to yep. is named Kevin Steele. Kevin Steele was at Baylor before Art Briles. He was horrifically bad at Baylor. He's now the defensive coordinator at Auburn, but he was horrible as a head coach. And I think I seriously think my money is is on them hiring this guy, Kevin Steele, too. Why don't they just go after an assistant coach? Well, it's interesting because a because this guy T Martin was a uh, Tennessee quarterback. Back in the '90s, and now he's the offensive coordinator at USC, huh? and everybody's like, "Go after that." Yeah, John Curry always hires somebody that's been a head coach before. That's the first criteria he looks for: somebody that's been a head coach, not somebody that's like never been a head coach. He doesn't do it. So we'll see what happens. It's a weird thing because it's a no-brainer. You hire the Tennessee guy; the fans are happy. Maybe he fails, but you've satiated your your, your fan base, and they're all happy and you You maybe you hit the jackpot and you look great, maybe you don't, but no one's upset because you tried you know but uh i know I know about John Curry because John Curry used to be the athletic director at Kansas State University a my, year ago. My alma mater he just left k State to go to Tennessee. People are saying that boosters want him fired he's yes. only been there for six months, and he might be out after this whole thing after they get something settled with the football coach i I feel like they might be running this guy off the tracks, and I feel bad for i mean. There's no love lost between K-State and John Curry. Right. Uh, I, I was happy to see him go. Yeah. Uh, but I got to say, I, I feel bad for the guy because he got caught in the middle of a storm that he had no idea he was getting himself into by doing that's this. That's true. It is, he is kind of just walking into something. And he, I mean, he could lose his livelihood over this whole deal. I mean, like, it's, you know, that's that's how serious this stuff is.
1: That said, it's interesting that you bring up his past you know affiliation the k-state because a week pri- well not a week prior maybe a couple weeks prior it came out that yeah he signed a deal he had some kind of weird deal like guaranteeing three million dollars to um
0: jim Lovett.
1: yeah Lovett for to become the next k-state coach mm-hmm. if he wasn't and if he wasn't hired by the first of january of mm-hmm. this year then yeah. he gets the k-state has to pay three million dollars right. to right this guy who looks like right they're not going to it doesn't, I mean, it, it, nobody no, knows, that, I guess. That's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. So
0: they're, they're out $3
1: million. No, they're not
0: going to have to pay $3 million. It's The, the, the agreement's been dissolved. It, it just it didn't happen. It didn't materialize. No one, uh, It wasn't like an official signed document. Okay. Anything. But that was, the, that was the deal in play, basically. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, a couple of controversial agreements, <coughs> basically, behind-the-scenes stuff. It's um, getting weird. College athletics is getting... Weird. I mean, maybe it's always been there. We just don't know about it. But the football head coaching thing is always such a strange time because people start losing their minds. I mean, <laughs> okay, so Gundy at Oklahoma State is making four point four million, right? Right. Wow. They, I think they were trying to do a deal at Tennessee for six million to get Gundy, and he said, "No, nah, I'm not into. Sh- I'm not into it." Um. So uh, six million a year. Six million dollars—that's what we're talking about here. Like, uh, that's a lot of money. So, I mean, they're going to get somebody for six million a year. I mean, they're they're going they're going to get somebody. But when you start talking about six million dollars and it's such high stakes, and all these things are in flux, and everybody's going after everybody, they're all going after the same coaches. I mean, you look at a Chip Kelly, you look right, at right. you know, th- there are only a handful, and they like Scott Scott Frost yep. over at USC, yeah. UCF. Um, they're, they're, those are the two guys that everybody wants. And so they're all going – every school is trying to fire their coach as early as they can so they can start courting these guys. And it's funny because all the coaches say, well, I'm focused on my team until the end of the season. So everybody's just waiting. It's like dogs at the door waiting to, to – It's a full season. To yeah. It's, it's it's a crazy, crazy thing. So I've been like glued to my ESPN. <laughs> the last two days because it's so it's like a soap opera playing out you know it what really i mean is. like who's talking to who and who said what and where's somebody going there's always some surprise thing that happens it's like it's it's the craziest time of the the college football year because everybody's like it's a kingmaker kind of thing yep. where, you know scott frost like nebraska's i was talking to my buddy dave and for 20 years they've hated their football coach yes ever since tom osborne yeah they went to uh Solich. Solich. And then they fired him. Yep. And then they got Bill Callahan. Yep. And then they got Bo Polini. And Polini was okay, but not good enough. You know, and then they get this Mike Riley guy out of left field. Hate him. And now their golden boy, Scott Frost, is sitting there available, and all of a sudden Scott Frost comes to back to Nebraska where he's from. They're relevant again and they're gonna be, you know, right. on Cloud Nine. It's been twenty years for Nebraska between those two coaches and they're gonna be super excited about it. Uh, time will tell if he's going to be successful in Nebraska. But they're super excited about this. The fan yes. base is you know ready to go. And Chip Kelly to us UCLA, that's going to be amazing. I mean, it, all of a sudden they're yeah they went from kind of average to being this is going to be how did like, they pull that off? It makes sense. I mean, you know, Chip Kelly was looking for a job, and and UCLA everybody wanted, everybody wanted Chip Kelly so he could choose. Yeah, uh, UCLA makes a lot of sense. He's a he's a Pac-12 guy. He knows the knows the system. And UCLA, I mean, it's like yeah, uh, it could be like a really big you know deal for him. I mean, yeah. like he knows what he's doing. And, yeah, he's uh, he's no dummy. Anyway, so that could be cool. But everybody else, I mean, sometimes you look at you know like Florida hiring the guy from Mississippi State. It's like, well, he wasn't that great at Mississippi State, and you're hiring. I don't know. It's so it gets all weird where people fire somebody. The thing that I get about the whole college football thing is that everybody thinks their school deserves to be Alabama. Yeah. Especially in the SEC. Yeah. Every team thinks their school should be Alabama. Yeah. And unfortunately, they're not. I mean, Tennessee is like the most. I, they have Shelly, a great. Greg is probably a de- decent coach. Yeah. And they probably should have given him a shot because now they're going to get something much, much worse. <laughs> I mean, they have just completely gone nuclear Whoa. on their football program and it's their fans fault their fans are the ones that revolted
1: um it, it feels a lot like springtime and the housing market like if you're looking to buy a house yeah and at least around here and the real estate agents are like you better you, better you gotta do it, it now gotta do it yeah. it's way outside of my budget it doesn't matter <laughs> make it happen yeah, yeah. i'm like, ah. <laughs> Right. You know, you just, and you don't want to lose something, like, right. oh, oh, you got to make sure. Oh, no. and, and, and the stakes are so high. Right. It's a lot of money. It's the biggest purchase you'll ever make. Yep. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. so it's kind of like that. People's jobs and livelihood are dependent yeah. on getting the right guy.
0: Yep. Mm-hmm.
1: The whole universe, I mean, there's so much money at stake. There's so much yeah. at stake. Yeah. Gosh. I mean, it's not even, it goes beyond money, like, you know, at KU, right, our full program is terrible, and... You know, if there's a conference realignment, man, it could it could be pretty bleak. Like, even though our basketball is great Mm -hmm. and and should be able to sustain us, it's nothing like a great football program. Yeah, it's nothing like an average football program. Right. (laughs) You know. Yeah. In terms of revenue and everything, and Mm -hmm. so there's so for entire universities, there's so much at stake in getting the right guys. Tons of money on the line.
0: Good, bad, or indifferent. I mean, it's all about football. Like, what you know. What can you do to to get and sustain the, the long-term program, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. that all comes down to a coach. That's all it is, you know? All i got to say,
1: Brian, is that it's just nice to be uh, a fan of a school where they don't have any coaching controversy right now. That's right. You guys have your man. Got our man. Right. So he's, uh,
0: yeah. K-State does too. K-State's right. got our man. They've had their man. For the last 60 years. 80
1: years. Gosh, how old is Snyder?
0: 112. <laughs> doesn't look a day past 95. No. He looks chipper as always. Um, but anyway, that's that's the world we live in these days. It's, it'll be the biggest controversy until next year when somebody else does something and you know. This is only getting this is this is probably like the first of many times where a fan base will revolt on some coaching hire and we we may see this some more in the future. I don't know. But anyway, Glenn. Surely we have to. Yeah, once, once the precedent's been set, <clears throat> yep. it's going to keep happening. It's hard to put the toothpaste back in the tube, right? That's right. That's true. That's a very true statement, Glenn. Uh, okay, well, let's, uh, let's move on to something positive. Yes. Which is right. uh, the question from the Gentleman Mailbag. <laughs> I love these questions, Brad. Uh, and this week, Glenn, uh, Christmas is right around the corner. We only mm-hmm. have a few weeks away. Um, <laughs> one of the things that I always look forward to during Christmas time. Are the Christmas tunes? Yes. Some people hate Christmas music. I like Christmas no. music. It's, it's part of the season. It's amazing. Yeah. You know? uh, so anyway, Glenn, what if you had to pick your top three? If you like only listen to three songs Christmas time, over and over and over and over again, mm-hmm. what would it be? Well, first I gotta ask you a question, Brian. I have a st-
1: I have a statute of limitations when it comes to Christmas music. Okay. I have a very specific defined time frame. where well, I will listen right. to Christmas music. And for me, it is Thanksgiving has to have happened. Yep. Mm-hmm. Is that where you're Agreed. at? I yep. can't do it. 100%. I can't do it before Thanksgiving. Yep. And I'll also add this: I think people hate Christmas music because they start playing it in department stores in yeah. like August, right? And you don't want to hear it ever. Yeah, it's true. Anyway, get <clears throat> that out of the way. Yeah. No, I, Thanksgiving stuff. has
0: to have take, taken place before. We can't rush past Thanksgiving. Right.
1: All right. Good. All right. We're in, we're in lockstep there. Um. All right. So, I'm going to go backwards. Number 3. Okay. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer by Gene Autry. Oh, interesting. Gene Autry. Wow. My parents had a growing up they had a, re- you know, had a record player and we had a Gene Autry Christmas album on the record. Mm. And I wore that thing out. Yeah. I loved it. So, I'll listen to it now.
0: Bring you back. It doesn't Bring make right any back. sense, but I love it. Yeah. Um, well, you guys had that classic 1800s like house. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, farmhouse yeah. situation yeah, yeah. going on and all that stuff. Yeah. So it must uh, have said, been a cool uh cool thing.
1: Yeah. Great memories doing that. Um uh White Christmas, Bean Crosby.
0: Okay. I love the movie yeah. White Christmas. Yeah. that's we, pretty good.
1: Mm-hmm. We we have we have different opinions as to as to whether uh, White Christmas or um Holiday uh Holiday in Holiday Inn yeah. is better, but right. we can agree to disagree, but right. White Christmas is a great song. I right? don't
0: remember which one's which, but <laughs> White Christmas the is the second like. one. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Holiday, Holiday is with is, Fred Astaire. is far superior. Yes. Well,
1: we we disagree there. <laughs> We've had this debate on the podcast yeah, exactly. before. This is yeah. And I understand your point uh-huh. and I, I I I see where you're coming from, but right. I, I can't Right. I can't be this truth. you know, can't be dishonest. That's true. Well I, yeah. <clears throat> I gotta go with my heart. Right. All right. So White Christmas being crossy, but number one, rocking around the Christmas tree, Brenda Lee. Oh, okay. Yeah. The that's original. A good
0: one. Yeah. That's a good one. Uh-huh.
1: I think it's because of Home
0: Alone. Yeah. I love Home Alone. Yeah, yeah that's a good one. All the ones from the sixties are pretty the that's like the golden era for yeah. the golden age of Christmas music.
1: Absolutely. So anything by Bing Crosby, you know Gene Autry obviously, that was a little before the sixties. Uh that's true. You know, the vintage Christmas stuff. Yeah.
0: I'll take it all day long yeah. as opposed to modern stuff. It just gets ingrained in this, I think. Like, yeah. and so you listen to it, and you it brings you back to some kind of moment or time or feeling or something like that. I don't know. There's something about it. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, Brian. Those are all get? solid. Those are all different than 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 what I had picked out. Good, good. Um, so I had a few that I picked out. Um, so I'm going to start with number three. Okay. Uh, and this... I don't know why. This, this is kind of an annoying song. <laughs> but it's a very specific. like Either the Tony Bennett version of the, or the John Coltrane version of Favorite Things. Oh, good. So Favorite you... Things in and of itself is an annoying song. But when you listen to the Tony Bennett song, Tony Bennett one, yeah. any kind of jazzy version of it is like, there's something about it that's very cool. I don't know what it is. Well, I like the Coltrane version too.
1: Yeah. Um, but, but is it a Christmas song? yeah okay yeah I, I didn't yeah yeah it's
0: a christmas i don't know effect. if i've ever heard the words to it right uh yeah, yeah it's, it's well, all about I, describing you know favorite things wait wait Wait. Of, sound
1: of music favorite things like these are a few of my favorite things yeah favorite?
0: right interesting okay yeah that's a good sign I, I don't know it's on all the christmas compilations mm-hmm. i just mm-hmm. associate it with christmas so maybe i'm wrong about that no nope. you're not wrong no, there's no you know wrong answers. i'm not wrong there's you're no not wrong, wrong answers there's no wrong answers if I say a Metallica song is a Christmas song... You think Gremlins is, yeah, no, is a Christmas movie? No, Gremlins is a Christmas movie! Yeah, it's a Christmas movie. Uh, anyway, okay, Glenn. All right, so... Um, Metallica. I would say, uh, then, second of all, Christmas, Baby, Please Come Home. Ooh. Uh, which I think is... It's it's on that weird... Uh, it's not the Ronettes. It's on that weird Phil Spector album, A Christmas Gift from Phil Spector. I want to say the artist is like <laughs> Donna Lee or something. It's some, I don't know. I think this might be one of the only successful songs that she ever released. But Baby, Please Come Home. Yeah. I mean, come on. Great song. When you listen to that vocal performance and everything like that, I mean, it's, you can hear the emotion in it. You know, She wants him to come home. It's fantastic. It's hard to argue with I love it. it. Um, so that that's one of my fa- I, I you know, the whole Phil Spector thing is really weird now. But that album is awesome. That the Ronettes and all the yeah. like all the whole thing. That that it that it's that sixty sound yeah. in that album is Oh yeah, is awesome. Anyway, okay, so there's that. And then uh, this is so Sinatra. Mm-hmm. Have yourself a little, merry little Christmas. Ah, yes, number yes. one, absolutely. Great tune. Uh, there's just you can't. If I was going to listen to one Christmas song, it would just it would be that. So, somewhat melancholy. Yeah, you know the intro. Yeah, I love the intro to that song. Somewhat melancholy, a little sad, a little yeah. bit remorse. You know, looking back on the year. We are. Yeah, I mean, you're you're looking back over a year of time, mm-hmm. and then and and you're also happy a little bit, you know, it's, it's the, all that emotion wrapped up into that song is is excellent. Ah, great choices. Yeah. So anyway,
1: uh, I th- I had you pegged for uh, Last Christmas guy by Wham.
0: <sighs> no, no, I, I, no. Okay. I, I do listen to that one sometimes. I'm, you know, I would have as a as a secondary thing, I would have said the. Uh, uh, Venturaoli, uh, oh yes, yeah. the whole album, the the whole album. I mean, that's yeah. something I always have on repeat. Uh, yep. That I you know always listen to. Yep. Uh, I, I don't think Christmas would be the same without listening to that while nope. I'm decorating and all that stuff.
1: I think for me, Sufie and Stevens has an album. Actually, oh, it's yeah. like three CDs. Yeah, it's three like, Christmas. Yeah, just it's everything. massive. Yeah. But it's you just hit play and it's yeah. just a great like cloudy gray yeah. day. Mm-hmm. Oh man, that that yeah. that is Christmas to me. But. Christmas music is great. I, it gets a bad rap. I think people think it's boring, or I don't know. I don't know why people don't like. I think season, they haven't been
0: they haven't been versed in good Christmas music. Season wouldn't be the same. Like decorating wouldn't be the same nope. without. Like if we were trying to decorate and Laura was like, uh, "I hate Christmas music." This is the Metallica. I'd be like, <laughs> "Just well, there's a the door." Uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean that just it wouldn't happen. There's just no way. We wouldn't have gotten to that point. It wouldn't have happened.
1: Oh, yeah. You would have figured that out early on, yeah. I feel like. Anybody,
0: yeah. You know, first date. <laughs> what do you think about Christmas music? I hate it. Yeah, what do you think about Vince Roldy? All right. <laughs> well, check, please. waiter, Garcon. Yeah. So, uh, uh, anyway. But, <laughs> thankfully, uh, that's not the case. Uh, anyway, Glenn, speaking of being thankful, mm. uh, we only have a couple of episodes left before uh, Christmas time. Uh, we, we got back on the schedule now that we've we been are. back for Thanksgiving. Yes. So, uh, in a couple of weeks where this is a podcast episode 126, we're going to do 127 and maybe I think there's 127, 128 before Christmas, maybe. Yes. Uh, we got a couple left. Uh, so we'll have a couple more times to talk about Christmas time stuff and we'll talk about more of that in the future. I'm looking forward to it. I am looking forward to it too. Um, and I am... Really appreciative of everybody out there that listened to the podcast episode number 126, which we just finished up, and uh, we will look forward to seeing you guys for episode one, 127 in a couple weeks. Uh, I'm Brian McKinney. I'm Glenn Sansbury. Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, we'll talk to you next time. Good night. Adios.
1: Should have given a shout out to Danny Day-Lewis. You know, he's listening. D-D-Y. D-D-L. D-D-L. DDL. Love you.